0: 1, the package being delivered.
1: Back in 2011, during Occupy Wall Street protests, a certain hacktivist collective truly came into its own. Greetings. We are anonymous. On September the 17th, we called for a peaceful protest to Occupy Wall Street, and we delivered. We witnessed the streets of New York flood with protesters in the thousands, and Twitter feeds explode with Occupy Wall Street hashtags. We have marched with... The years since, Anonymous exploded in popularity and even became the constant pop culture reference point to all hacktivism, or even just hackers.
0: Greetings, brothers and sisters. We are F Society. By now, you know us.
1: You've seen what we are capable of. But as we've discussed on the show, lately, it kind of seems to have disappeared. Until the latest Black Lives Matter protests seem to have kicked it back into the headlines, I got motherboard reporter Lorenzo Franceschi Bicirai on the show to tell us more. Recording from my insanely hot apartment in New York, I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. Lorenzo, welcome back.
2: Thank you. I'm uh, very happy to be here. and looking forward to talking about La Liga, which is coming back this Saturday, baby. Yeah. Wait. Sorry. <laughs> Nobody cares about the Spanish league. This is cyber, that right? listens
1: to this. This is not the cyber.
2: All right. All right. We can talk about cyber. That's fine.
1: <laughs> so this is a group that you and I have a lot of experience covering, and I've done a lot of documentaries on Anonymous. I've met some of its, you know, oldest memory, oldest members. But, you know, it, we did an entire podcast on this with Biel Coleman, who's been sort of the official anonymous whisperer for years. But they kind of seem mm-hmm. to have disappeared over the last few years. And then suddenly one morning, I believe now it's a few weeks, I woke up to a bunch of texts from people asking me if anonymous is back and if it was a real thing. And I saw on Twitter, anonymous was trending. And I was like, OK, what is going on here? Did they do something? And then their main channel, Twitter, account i think it's anon news right
2: yeah your anon news it's sort of the official or the most official i guess you can get
1: yeah the most official mouthpiece of anonymous essentially like went up by millions of followers so anyway you dug into it what happened
2: yeah so i guess uh, i guess what happened is that it's 2020 so everything is possible right um (laughs) Yeah, I remember, I think it was Sunday, Yeah, two weeks ago, when a friend messaged me saying, hey, I'm digging into Anonymous. It looks like they're back. It's fascinating because a lot of the Twitter accounts that are sharing Anonymous content seem to be bots or K-pop, like Korean pop fans. And I was like, what? Like, what the fuck is going on? And I guess the answer is I don't know really um but what we know is that it does seem like there's definitely interest in Anonymous again and by that I mean that there's a a lot of um, accounts on Twitter who are like claiming that you know Anonymous is looking into attacking police and uh, sort of uh, supporting uh, the Black Lives Matter movement um you know to protest the killing of uh, George Floyd and so far, we have to say, though, that there isn't really a lot of evidence that they're doing much. Um, one um, anonymous um, Twitter account shared personal details of the Minneapolis Police Department, but it looked like they were collected from like past um, breaches. Doxes. Yeah, past, past doxing um, attacks and stuff like that. So it, wasn't, it didn't really seem like it was a new hack. But for some reason, and I think it's still uh, people like Biela Coleman and um, others like my friend who is looking into this, are still trying to figure out exactly why and who is behind this sort of resurgence. And, you know, for those of, for those of you who are not super familiar, Anonymous is this like, you know, almost mythical hacking group, um, often represented by the Guy Fawkes mask from uh, V for Vendetta, a great movie, by the way probably worth rewatching now. And, um, and and yeah, they used to be very active, uh, especially I would say around 10 years ago, 10, 9, 8 years ago. Um, and at the time it was a very, and it's always been a very hard movement to figure out because by definition they are anonymous, meaning they don't have any leaders. Um, even within the, the group, there were, like, uh, splinter subgroups like LulzSec and, and uh, anti
0: Scott, those arrests strike, strike at the very core of the International Hackers Network Anonymous and its offshoot cyber gang LALSEC. For the FBI, it's a bit of revenge. One of the suspects, nabbed in Ireland, is accused of hacking into this FBI Scotland Yard conference call on cyber gangs. Whoever has got your operation, if they want to find me an email, I'll put them in touch with our intel cell and we're trying to find who's got interest and we can get you a copy of this statement, see if it makes sense. The suspect, who goes by the name Palladium, then taunted law enforcement by posting the call on the internet. Now he and five other suspected hackers have been arrested.
2: So it's always been hard to figure out exactly who Anonymous is, whether they're even, you know, doing any hacking or they're just good at, you know, uh, tricking the media into thinking they're doing hacking, which is part of the point. So, so I think this is kind of what's happening now. For some reason, um, people are latching onto this, you know, this symbol of activism. But it's really hard to tell whether they're back.
1: I mean, as we've covered before in the past, too, you know, Anonymous did have some very great, very effective hacking groups within it or affiliated to it or were adjacent to the movement itself. You know, you look at something like LulzSec, it was a real, you know, it was a real hacking group that did some stuff.
2: Yeah, definitely. L- LOLZEC is definitely the one that may- deserves more attention here. They all the members of LOLZEC were part of Anonymous, uh, which at the time meant being in um, you know some IRC chat uh, channels where people coordinated stuff like DDoS and more basic stuff. But um, but the members of LOLZEC, who most of them now are um, you know just. Uh, Regular folks working in infosec, and actually, some of them have written for us. Funnily enough, um, but but yeah, they were sort of like this splinter group that organized in um, in a smaller chat channel. It was a much smaller group, like uh, the core were like five or six or seven people. They were all pretty young, you know, like we're talking about teenagers or early twenties. But they their their skills were serious. Uh, they hacked. Um, H.B. Gary, which was a government contractor. They hacked um, Visa and PayPal, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and many others. And eventually they got so much, you know, they attracted so much heat that the FBI- Stratfor. Sorry? Stratfor. Yeah, Stratfor, exactly, another government contractor. And so at that point they became too, you know, too dangerous, I guess. And the FBI went after them. The FBI turned one of their leaders, um, uh, whose name, whose nickname was Sabu.
0: Hector Xavier Mansour, who tweets anti-government messages under the alias The Real Sabu, is accused of hacking the Senate's sensitive files to download confidential information. Mansour, described as a LawSec leader, was arrested last year, and sources say he began cooperating with the FBI. Uh,
2: his real name was Hector Monzegor. So they turned him into an informant and um, eventually with his help, uh, they got most of the gang, except for like one person who has never been identified and sort of uh, got out of the group before it was too late. Uh, but, but yeah, they, they were basically an anonymous uh, offshoot and uh, most of their ideals uh, were the same as the anonymous uh, ideals.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, it, all it's to say is that anonymous has in the, has in the past been... An effective force. It's been an effective hacking group, and you know, it kind of, it really did write the book on hacktivism, or was really one of the first to, to, to at least make it mainstream and to become sort of the face of it. Because now, you know, you think you look at stuff like Mister Robot, mm-hmm. you know, probably the biggest fictional hacking show of all time. It's very clearly, F Society borrows from Anonymous. But the question is that like, since then, I mean, since these these bigger hacks that happened. Its name hasn't been associated with any big operations. And, you know, people or activists that you and I have interacted with have kind of taken the mantle from them as as the top hacking group like Phineas Fisher.
2: Yeah, I think it's very interesting to look back at the evolution of hacktivism, which is a term that was invented actually by a member of the Cult of the Dead Cow. I'm actually just reading the book uh, by Joseph Mann on this uh, very early... Like almost a legendary hacking group from the early '90s, and in in the early 2000s um, or late '90s, they recruited this guy whose name was Oxblood Ruffin, which uh, you know very well. And I think he, he was on a he was on cyber like a year or so ago. Yeah, and the, and he was the one that pushed for the group to become very active in uh, politically, and um, he was basically the guy that invented activism at the time. And yeah, as you said, like Anonymous uh, in the early two thousand tens took the mantle from CDC, and and really made it made it popular because I don't think CDC, the cult of the dead cow, ever was so mainstream as um, as uh, as Anonymous is and, and and was. And as you said, like Mr. Robot is the perfect example of that. I mean, even the um, the masks uh, used by the F Society members are clearly inspired by the. Guy Fox masks. Um, the whole movement, you know, in Mr. Robot is very similar to the Anonymous movement. Um, so yeah, like I think that there's a very important part. There's a very important place in hacking history for Anonymous, even though some people don't really believe that it was ever that good of a hacking group, other than the Lulzak guys and some other people. But yeah, it's more like more than skills, it was their their ethos, you know, their their bravado their attitude, the fact that they were very vocal about politics on Twitter, they inspired like a, an entire generation. You know, as you said, Phineas Fisher is clearly inspired by them. Even smaller and uh, less politically uh, savvy, I would say, groups like um, um, the CWA, Crackers with Attitude, that claimed to be like pro-Palestinian, even though they didn't really care. Like even those kind of groups were clearly inspired by Anonymous. Um so yeah, it was clearly a very influential group, but as you said, in the last few years it's sort of um, disappeared. In part because you know some of their members grew up, some of them went to jail, and maybe don't want to, you know, want to don't want to go back to jail. And and yeah, it's, and it's very surprising that now it's coming back. In fact, I think we spoke with Biela Coleman for a story last week, and and she was very, um, she was in herself very surprised that they're getting so much attention now. And I think the open question here is, is there something else behind this? Like, is this, and you know, I have no, I have no evidence for this, but like, I wonder if, you know, someone is creating bots and uh, sort of uh, flooding the zone, the Twitter zone with uh, anonymous content to maybe confuse the, muddy the waters or somehow confuse or create some confusion. We'll see. You know, it's also,
1: it's also, you know, it's worth mentioning as well you know, anonymous, the whole, some of the beauty to it was that anyone could kind of join. Mm -hmm. Anyone could join or kind of take up the mantle. And I think that's, to say? who's to say it wouldn't happen again? And I I guess, you know, some of those those anonymous uh, chat channels are just not the same as they used to be. But maybe there's other ones that we don't even know about right now. Because, you know, uh, uh, again, Occupy Wall Street Anonymous really kind of came into its own after that. And it was all about, I mean, this is after optionology and the Scientology hacks and all that. Mm-hmm. But it kind of came to a head as a protest movement or an arm of a protest movement that then obviously extended into Arab Spring, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's something worth worth keeping an eye on. It could end up being something.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the um, both the political and, econ- and economic um circumstances are ripe for something like that to come back. You know, maybe we'll come back under a different name. Uh, Maybe we'll become a more, less of a large movement. Maybe we'll be another Lulzak or who knows, maybe Fiennes Fischer will come back and do something. I don't know, but like, I I think it's definitely, you know, it's a similar, we are in a similar situation than we were 10 years ago, right? Like the anonymous movement at the time, um, I think it was in part inspired by the, um, you know the economic struggles of the uh, post 2008 crisis uh WikiLeaks at the time ov- obviously was very influential for anonymous that doesn't you know that doesn't really exist right now but but yeah there's a lot of social unrest and uh, and clearly a lot of appetite for something like anonymous to come back so yeah I, I agree with you it's possible that someone you know will take that mantle or the mask i guess in this case and uh, really you know resume the hacking uh, times for anonymous, or maybe it will be a different group, but yeah, I think it's a sign that, you know, activism isn't really dead and um, it makes sense. You know, it, you can't really kill activism. It's such a, in part, it's part of, it's always been part of the hacker ethos to be, you know, to be politically active, especially in Europe and then to want a better world.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, can you ever kill activism?
2: Yeah, I think it's impossible, even though yeah, even though it seems like it's gone away a little bit. Maybe it was just because of some other circumstance. But, you know, as Venus Fisher showed us in the last few years, it's, um, it's never going to go away, probably.
1: No, I don't think so. All right, well, let's keep an eye on it. It'll be good. It'll be good to see what, uh, what happens and comes out of these protest movements. Let's see if a, a new hacktivism or hacktivist group emerges or if it's anonymous once more.
2: Yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on it, and uh, we're excited to see what happens.
1: For sure. Well, thank you coming on again, Lozo.
2: Thank you, Ben. Always a pleasure.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Well, Jason, that was a week.
3: We're here. This week so far has felt a little bit more normal to me, but I don't know. I don't know what today and tomorrow and Thursday hold. So probably speaking too too soon.
1: Yeah, we might be speaking a little too soon. Although I will say, our mayor did manage to finally take away the medieval step of enforcing a, a curfew. The that seems to make things
3: unconstitutional curfew.
1: Yeah, that yeah.
3: started when it was
1: still light um, outside. That started when it was still outside and also like...
3: In the city that never sleeps?
1: Yeah. And it was almost as if there was like, you know, like armed paramilitary groups taking over swaths of the city. It's like, nah, man, it's just protesters. <laughs> like de Blasio yeah. is just... Ugh. Does any... I can't... I don't think I've ever... I don't know anyone who likes him now. If you're out there, some somebody who's a listener who likes de Blasio, please tell me because you'll be the first person I meet in this city who does. The man is hated by all. By all. It's I like mean, the one thing the, we can all
3: agree on. <laughs> by the cops, by his constituents, by, uh, you know, by the left, by the right, by the center. Poor yeah. guy. Not really poor guy. He's given some of the worst interviews I've ever heard. Said some of the dumbest things I've ever heard.
1: He really has. He really has. And his, back, his, 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 like, his backstepping on this curfew issue was just hilarious. Made it can seem like talk, it was his Can fault. we
3: talk about briefly about my uh the cops are gaslighting us piece which I think went up before uh, or after last week's episode which was basically like after Ferguson, after uh you know Ferguson police killed Michael Brown in 2014, the big like win at that time uh, from the protests like the the police reform that was supposed to stop all of this was putting body cameras on every cop. Yes. Uh, And the Obama administration spent something like $140 million. I'm making that number up. It's in the piece, uh, outfitting cops around the country with body cameras. And the thinking was if the cops knew that they were being watched at all times, they would be less likely to use force and, you know, if they did use force you could then go to the tape and look at it and then hold them accountable and it's been 5 years and none of that happened like none of it at all like every uh mo- i think it's something like 95% of cops in the United States have body cameras at this point which is like great uh, but good, good, they never I guess. seem to be on <laughs> so they never seem to be on uh there was a the thought that there'd be like a psychological effect um if cops knew they were being watched at all times, turns out that there's no psychological effect because there's no consequences for cops, so they don't care like these, this is what um studies have shown like large scale the the best uh data that we have, like randomized studies have shown that body cameras have no effect on police use of force, and that's for a few reasons one, there's no consequences so they don't they don't work psychologically speaking two cops turn them off all the time and then use their unions to uh like prevent any sort of um like consequences for turning them off. Uh they also like block them with you know tape or or whatever. And instead, we have body cameras that are either being like we have companies that are trying to add facial recognition and extra surveillance measures to body cameras. So uh, that hasn't worked either. And then now we have I've started talking about this because we have De Blasio who has been saying, like, when confronted with video of cops doing police brutality, running over protesters, beating them with batons, et cetera, et cetera. He's saying, Don't believe the the video. That's not like the full context. And it's like what we
1: did. especially especially when you see that one video that was particularly heinous last week. And then today, actually, the the uh, New York AG actually, or yeah, AG, I said it right. I was mix up. Or a DA said that they're bringing charges against the cop who just sort of aggressively attacked that woman who was, was just slightly in his way. Like now this is like two weeks ago and they're mm-hmm. bringing charges against him. But it largely has to do with not like a, a I mean, the guy wasn't wearing a, co- a, a body camera, but it was, you know, Citizens in the street who are taking video of it that held them accountable,
3: right? And so, uh, what what has actually been the thing that has maybe sort of held police accountable, at least in some cases, is the proliferation of cell phones, uh, smartphones. I mean, you know, twenty fourteen, like obviously, smartphones existed, but not everyone had one. And now people know that they should film cops when there could be an altercation, and and that's something that we've seen out of all these protests, like. The cops are being filmed at all times and unlike body cameras, which in addition to like not having an effect, uh, a lot of them aren't subject to freedom of information act requests. A lot of them, uh, you know, are never made public. Like people are uploading videos of cop of police brutality in real time to Twitter and and Facebook and Instagram. And so these things are going viral and like, sometimes the cops are being held accountable. So that's good. The bad thing is that, you know, you have people like de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo in New York and, um, you know, other leaders, mayors in other cities that uh, say, hey, there's more to the video than you're seeing, even when, you know, the video clearly shows like in many cases shows an entire altercation, like shows a person not doing anything and then suddenly getting chased by a cop or shows like maybe an empty water bottle being thrown at a cop and a cop responding by pepper spraying and beating the shit out of like a group of people. And it's like, now we're just being gaslit to the point where they're saying like, yeah, police brutality is a problem, but you're not being fair because like you can't trust your own
1: eyes. here Let's just let this, just gonna let this ice cream truck go by.
3: Yeah. We got an ice cream truck in the, in the mix here.
1: I love it. What's this song called? Because Americans always ask me. They're like, don't you recognize that ice cream song? Dude, it's just the ice cream truck song. I have no idea what it's called. There's like a couple
3: different ice cream truck songs. That's definitely the one should, in my neighborhood. This should make it into the pot. I love it. Ice cream yeah. truck. That's a good... That's a, It's a very warm and nice day out.
1: Well, where, I, where I'm
3: from, we don't have... We just have bells. It's like a bell. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Deprived. Yeah, I mean, there's a few different ones. There's like... You know, the good humor one, which I don't know, Kato can look up. I think there's like a good humor theme song that I know from like going to the beach. And then Pop Goes the Weasel is one that they play at the beach, like near me, near my parents' house. You know that song? Pop Goes the Weasel? Yep. Oh, I know Pop Goes the Weasel. Oh, good. Good. All right. Uh. (laughs) Let's uh let's transition, yeah, transition to a different story.
1: Yep. Uh let's go to our first one up on. Well, this is another <laughs> again, it's almost like we can call them a friend of the show. But uh the NSO caught uh giving demos to the LAPD.
3: Yeah. Uh I mean we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with a different police department, but yeah, NSO is like desperate to get into the United States, seemingly because they uh, are demoing their phone hacking tech to the LAPD, which is the same phone hacking tech that they, that Saudi Arabia uses and all these other, uh, you know, authoritarian regimes use. And it turns out that the LAPD was looking at it as well, and apparently they didn't buy it because it was too expensive. Which is funny because the LAPD's budget is like three billion dollars a year or something like that
1: yeah i think that would be uh it might not be the greatest pr decision given uh today's today's state of affairs especially when you know there was recent reporting done that the lapd really does have one of the most inflated multi-million dollar budgets in like the entire world for for cops and police departments It's like one of the yeah. biggest, one of the most financed ones, I think, in America, is it not? Uh, it's New York, then L.A., I think.
3: But I'm not positive.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's just another, another case of like this really nefarious company coming in and, and, and trying to break into America. But also just, and yet more examples, like our episode last week when we focused on the Predator drone that was deployed against protesters. Just this increasing sort of military grade Surveillance equipment being used by law enforcement against American citizens is just—you know—it's enough to make all those anti-government types legitimately worried, <laughs> and not have to revert to conspiracy to make their make their assumptions. Yeah,
3: um, but yeah, it's not—I mean, it's just like the further militariza- militarization of the police. So, mm-hmm. um, not good.
1: Not good. So we also just on that topic, Slack had a blog post about how they their, their technology is used by police. And then they got rid of it.
3: Yeah, this is like part and parcel of these uh you know Black Lives Matter statements that have been put out by a bunch of different uh companies that also enable the subjugation of marginalized communities, especially black people. And uh, Edward Angueso had a really great piece on this last week where it's like Amazon was like, Hey, like black lives matter, but also, you know, they have recognition, which is facial recognition software that they sell to police that is racially biased and inaccurate. Uh, You know, they have ring, which is just a horrible surveillance company that we have written about extensively. Uh, They don't treat their workers very well and uh, tried to slander a, uh an or a work organizer at a warehouse, a black guy who they said was not articulate, which is like very coded and racist language. And then now we have like Slack who kind of in the middle of the night just disappeared this effusive blog post that they had uh explaining how these um these police departments use Slack to like organize operations and stuff like that and they just like deleted it off the internet didn't say anything and then we learned that you know slack still works with these cops like slack has contracts with a bunch of federal agencies it works with a bunch of um you know police departments but it's trying to pretend like it doesn't which is just shady as hell
1: it's real shady as hell it's it's very sus behavior if, if we're being Very sus. It's very sus Elon behavior. Yeah, very sus. All right, so here's some good news that uh, was precipitated by that story that I believe you and Joseph published uh, a week ago or so. When you caught a predator drone in the air surveilling the Minneapolis protests, AOC and some other lawmakers, because of that story, were spurred on to start asking the government what's going on and, and justify the use of it. So that's, I mean, it's a bit of it's a, it's a win. At least that's happening. Yeah, so it's
3: a, it's a win. There's two, two, actually two actions that happened, which is awesome. So AOC uh, and some other senator or uh, Congress uh sort of demanded answers from CBP about why a predator drone was surveilling protesters in Minneapolis. And then separately, they wrote a letter to I think it was CBP, the FBI, uh, the DEA and one other organization, one other agency, um, asking them about all of the surveillance of protests, which include, you know, stingrays, uh, spy planes, dirt boxes, things we've talked about before. And both of those cited our reporting, which is just like great to see. And, um, It's good to see lawmakers demanding transparency and answers from these agencies, which have like deployed surveillance against largely peaceful protesters pretty indiscriminately. I mean, this is not a federal agency, but like the NYPD has been flying helicopters over every single protest like they were above my house until two in the morning last night shining a spotlight on protests. And it's just like, no, it's not good. You know, that, that there's very little preventing these agencies and, and these militarized police from using like military style tactics to surveil peaceful protesters, which is very bad.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, but you know, there's hope in the fact that at least yeah,
3: good, they're demanding answers. Yeah,
1: exactly. Know? I mean, that doesn't, you don't see that too, too, too often, you know, maybe this will go somewhere and the city's going to actually, the city and, and the country will actually improve.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the takeaway is like, it's great to see millions of people out on the streets, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a very, very, very good thing. Um, It'd be uh, it'd be a bad thing if people weren't protesting this. And I think uh, we should at least take heart that that people are protesting and that there have been at least at the moment some some nominal wins. And and I think there's probably more to come when it comes to police reform and defunding the police and, and all that sort of thing. So good to see. Good step. Um, glad people are out in the streets. Keep protesting uh, and stay safe.
1: Absolutely, and you'll be hearing from us next week. Bye. Bye.
0: Traffic jams,
1: tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse?